0: Hey, so I'm Stanley, the Bristol City fan. I run a, the I run the only fan-produced Bristol City podcast. It's called One Stream in Bristol. If for some reason a Stoke City fan wants to listen to such a thing, they can find us on Twitter or Facebook at OSIB Podcast.
1: Great to speak to you, Stanley. I was wondering, first of all, if you could uh, just give us your verdict on Bristol City's start to the season so far.
0: Uh, it's been mixed. I've got to say there was sort of a lot of a lot of worry for Bristol City fans before the start of the season because we lost arguably our three most influential players in Joe Bryan, Bobby Reid and Aidan Flint. The big question I guess on most for most Bristol City fans was how we'd replace a their goals but b their sort of general ability. Um and seemingly so far we've done a fairly good job of replacing them for a, for a tiny proportion of the price. Um Lloyd Kelly's sort of become our our main left back for the season, although Jada Silva's played a couple of games more recently. Um, Lloyd Kelly's been playing for the England under 20, under 21, uh the England under, 20, under 19s. He's been doing really well. Andy Vyman was the man who most people hoped would replace Bobby Reid's work rate, but for the first sort of six games he had seemingly replaced his goals because he got five and six, but he's tailed off a little bit since then. And I guess the man who was brought in to replace Aidan Flint was Adam Webster from Ipswich. And um, I think for a few City fans, the jury's still out. But for me personally, I think he's been a, a revelation. He he passes the ball around with ease. He sort of suits our sort of uh, total football style um, and, and all three of those particular players have done well in, in filling the gaps in terms of the start of the season it was a little bit shaky to start with we sort of drew our first couple of games especially there was a way draw to Bolton where we went 2-0 down quite early on and people were worried that we might see some of the problems that we saw at the back end of last season where you know, although we started the season well we did finish very poorly And but um, after sort of losses to, to Borough and Plymouth we we won four in a row then we went five without winning, and now we've won two in a row. So I think people, Bristol City fans, are slowly becoming used to the streaky nature of Lee Johnson. That we'll, you know, we'll win a few in a row, lose a few in a row, and hopefully by the end of the season we'll sort of improve again, like we have in the last two years.
1: Yeah, you looking at your results in front of me, you definitely, as you say, are very streaky. You went on you know, winning four games in a row. Some la- kind of landmark results in there as well. 4-1 against Blackburn Rovers and uh, beating Chef United, of course. And uh, my worry is we've kind of caught you mid-streak and you're going to go on a, <laughs> another winning run. Uh, how are you doing in relation to where you thought you'd uh, be and sort of your expectations for the season? I've got the 4-4-2... Season preview magazine, and that predicts you uh, finishing 19th. But you finished 11th in the championship, and as you say, you kind of fell away a bit and possibly maybe should have finished a bit higher. So, but what are you kind of hoping for this season?
0: I mean, I don't personally consider myself an optimist, but it seems that whenever I talk about sort of predictions or hopes for the season, I'm sort of branded as one. Um, 19th, I think, is about right for what most City fans would have thought. I was hoping for a top 10 finish just because, yeah, I don't know, just because the way I am. I'm not really pessimistic, I guess. Um, In terms of where we are so far at this stage, I think we're about where I thought we'd be. We've played some incredible football. You mentioned the wins against Sheffield United and Blackburn. Blackburn was quite tight. Blackburn are very hard working. We sort of tore them apart in the latter stages. Sheffield United was a game where, for some people, um, that was when their their perception of Lee Johnson changed. And after that win, a lot of fans actually thought, actually, you know what? We've got a manager who can affect the game in the right way and and can put out a team that can beat top level Championship opposition. Um, I think I think we've done well. We've still got a few injuries. I don't really particularly enjoy. I don't think it's very good to to use injuries as an excuse or to sort of bemoan the the, the injuries. Really, but I think we've lost quite a few important players. Some of our new signings, so you know, we signed uh, attacking a couple of attacking players from the lower leagues, uh, Moisa and Hakiba Delacan from uh, Cheltenham and Scunthorpe, respectively. And both of them, I was really excited to see play, and they've both been injured from the start of the season. So I think once them to come back and Corey Smith comes back, I think we could see Bristol City sort of, albeit in a streaky nature, establish ourselves as a sort of top ten you know sort of flirt with the playoffs essentially i think that's what's what's likely for bristol city this season
1: hmm. so what's the kind of fan verdict on lee johnson then he, he took you over a, a few seasons ago and it's kind of been steady as she goes looking at your kind of league positions in the championship what what is his kind of style of play like and what the what do the fans like and not like about him
0: it's weird to be fair because I, I, um, you mentioned the league position it would look like sort of a, a slow rise of uh, of our fortunes but it's been anything but really I mean when he took over we, we were in the bottom three we weren't doing very well and he did a great job to be fair of guiding us slowly out of relegation and into safety with the likes of Jonathan Codger and Lee Tomlin linking up really well the next season you know he did some good transfer business with the likes of Tammy Abraham on loan we bought Tomlin people were very excited um but for whatever reason we just couldn't seem to play football we were constantly we were playing you know attractive football but it was not getting results he set a record for our most uh what's the right terminology here he set a record for our longest uh losses most losses in a row god I'm sure that there's some way to say that with are making more sense but um we lost eight in a row which was a record no manager had ever lost that many in the league. Um, there were bed sheets uh, across um, the Portway, which is a road coming into Bristol, with Johnson out, Johnson out midget and other sweary ones that I'm sure you wouldn't allow me to say on your podcast. Oh, no, you can say them. So at that point... Oh, there you go, midget, midget cunt, there you go. And uh, we, we're not allowed to swear on our podcast, so it's, it's a rare occurrence for me to be able to swear. Um, and people, I think the majority of the fan base wanted him out. Um, and we won a game, I think we beat um, Rotherham at home... And then we started to win a couple and then eventually sort of we, we we ended up sort of the season culminated with us beating Brighton away and staying up. Um, last season was different. Last season, we started it uh, amazingly. We were playing. A, we had a lot of injuries. We were essentially playing four centre backs at the back. But we were still managing to play this sort of like nice, neat passing style, lots of rotations, lots of sort of uh, people breaking lines and such. And, you know, I think sort of uh, this might be overdoing it, but I think we became sort of uh, the neutrals' favourite team. We were the little guy for a lot of people because we beat Man United, we beat Mm. yourselves, we beat Crystal Palace, we beat Watford, we ran Man City fairly close in the semi final with the Carabao Cup. So for a lot of people looking in, they sort of adored this, this Lee Johnson style of football and this rotations, but it fell away. Once it came to January, it, it didn't happen. The man Once we'd beaten Man United, we went on a terrible, terrible run, um, didn't win many games at all for the rest of the season. Like you said, ended up 11th. And this season, a lot of people really did fear. They really were worried. And for a lot of people, they thought that form would carry over. Um, but we've done well. We're playing a really nice football. I mean, the game against against Brentford, we we don't didn't quite get to impose our style. We're not quite as sort of fluid as a team like Brentford. But there's a lot of movement. There's a lot. We have a very young squad. For example, our our back four when we played Brentford, we had a a young young goalkeeper playing his first game. He's 22. Left-back was uh, 21. That's Jada Silva. 20, Lloyd Kelly. 23, Adam Webster. And Jack Hunt was the oldest player on the pitch at 27. So we've got quite a young team. We're buying players for... I'd say, a relatively low amount compared to the rest of the Championship and hoping they sort of blossom over the next few years. I think at the moment where we are, most sane City fans would see Lee Johnson in a very positive light and would sort of um, buy into this sort of project that we're trying to go for, really.
1: That, that, that's interesting then. You reminded me of the uh, League Cup defeat we had at Ashton Gate. I would try to wipe that from my memory. It was an <laughs> awful, <laughs> uh, awful evening for us. Uh, but looking ahead to the game on saturday then how do you see uh, bristol city setting up and approaching this game given our kind of struggles so far this season do you do you see bristol you know kind of really going for us and trying to trying to possibly out outplay out outscore us
0: i mean it's a tough one really cuz i mean so we have a section on our podcast where we'll sort of round up the rest of the championship, and we'll—I have a, I mean, although it's early in the season, we'll have a brief look at the league table. And I'm pretty sure that every week, whenever we read out the Stoke result, we sort of, there's the sort of a sense of amazement that Stoke haven't won every single game yet with the squad they've got and the number of players that they've managed to retain, you know, since mm. coming down from the prem. Um, I mean, I—I I, I think in terms of how we'll play, I think it'll be similar to most of our home games—that we'll try and attack from the off. Um not necessarily gung ho but I think we'll try and I think we'll try and um you know put put our sort of stamp on the game and keep the ball. I think that um I don't know if Ashley Williams would be playing for you guys much, but I think we might have uh, in terms of who's going to play up front for us, we have sort of three main strikers at the moment. We have Andy Weiman, Matthew Taylor and Famara Jeju. And Jeju's the big guy and Taylor and Viman are quite busy. So it'll be interesting to see who plays against Stoke really and whether we go for sort of 11 busy players and try and outwork you and out and move the Stoke mm-hmm. defence around or whether we give Jeju, who scored um, on Wednesday, a start and then go for sort of a, a bigger, more physical approach really. But I think um, whatever team we, Bristol City put out, I think any Stoke fan coming down to Ashton Gate will see sort of lots of movement, lots of rotation, and interlinking between you know the midfielders and the wingers and the wide men. Lots of crosses and shots. Um, it's certainly not a, a dull style of football, and that's one of the reasons, I guess, why Bristol City fans, t- to the, to the mo- for the most part, are endeared to Lee Johnson.
1: Well, I think uh, whatever combination of forwards you probably gonna give our uh, defence a bit of a torrid time, like. You, those busy players and, you know, kind of pulling us about with quick interchanges and all the rest of it. Ashley Williams, Bruno Martins Indy, Ryan Shawcross, whatever two of those three we we play, they're not very quick at all, and they can get done that way. But they've also been bullied a lot this season, so uh, yeah, I, I can see whatever whatever style causing us problems. Then, um, you you mentioned a, a few guys there, but if uh, a few Stoke fans are perhaps a bit uh, ignorant to your team what players would you tell them to watch out for
0: oh that's a good one uh, this, um, I think that we've got um, okay so the the guy who scored the winner against Brentford last Saturday is a, is a winger called um, and there's a bit of a debate with how to pronounce his name so I'm going to go with my butchering of it I'm going to say Nicholas Eliasson he's quite a young 21 uh, year old Swedish winger that we bought for quite a lot of money from a Swedish team for sort of um, I don't know near 2 million maybe I can't quite remember and in his first season despite me having an unnecessary love in with him just cuz he was you know quite flary and you know and, and liked doing step overs he wasn't very good he didn't get he scored one goal i think away to Watford in the Carabao cup and didn't get any assists in the league and his crosses weren't working he was very, not very physical And a lot of at this point, it was another stick to beat Johnson with. Sort of, here's a signing we shouldn't really have made. He's come from a Swedish league. Of course, he's not going to be good enough for the championship. But this season, he's been a real revelation. Um, Every time he gets on the ball, he'll immediately attack the fullback or put a cross in. And he's got a a ridiculous number of assists early on the season. He finally scored his first league goal, and uh, on Wednesday night against Hull he was causing them all sorts of problems. So I don't know who, I, I imagine he'll probably play on the right. And I think, is it Eric Peters? You're, is he's, he's playing left-back yeah, right left at the moment back, for yeah. you guys. So that would, to be fair, that would probably be a really interesting battle. Because I think Peters is, what from an outsider, he seems, whenever I see highlights or, or read about Stoke, he seems to be one of the, the the prem players that have come down who who's still playing reasonably well. So I think Elison versus Peters is one definitely to watch. And the other two I'll give you, I'll give you two quick ones. It'd be two defenders um, we've got Adam Webster, centre back from Ipswich, who cost us, I think, three and a half million, and he's very young, 23. But the, uh, all right, he's obviously not as good as John Stones, but hopefully, if you keep an eye out for him, you'll see there's a slight resemblance in the way he tries to play football. He's very effortless. And then our young left black, uh, left back rather slash centre back is Lloyd Kelly, who's only 20, and. Um, He's he's I guess you know Bristol City fans love him. They're obsessed with how good he is. He trained with the England senior team, um, I think, before their game with Spain, if I remember correctly. And he's only nineteen twenty. So we've got we've got a, a couple of youngsters that are sort of in and around the team. Our goalkeeper as well. He'll be playing a second game as well on Saturday. So we've got a few players to watch out for.
1: Okay, um, so you you kind of alluded to it there, but you you and it's a theme that keeps kind of coming up with the preview podcast we've done is everyone's always really kind of surprised to see us struggling and yeah, we've been scratching our heads a bit as well. Do you think a lot of teams that come down massively underestimate the championship because that's a kind of uh, accusation that's been levelled at us?
0: It's a weird one, isn't it? Because you think surely with all the money that sort of you know clubs have now in terms of scouting or, or fitness or research or whatever you want to call it, they must be aware of what the championship is like. Mm. You know, it's not like everyone's every season teams are constantly ignorant to the fact the championship is hard or something. I I've, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's a it's a very valuable answer really. If someone knew why teams struggled, I guess you'd see more teams bouncing straight back up. I mean, you've got. A manager in Gary Rowett, who's you know managed at the Championship for a, for a good number of seasons now, and should know it. Um, I always think, personally, it's just the the drastic change in in sort of um, the amount of games. You're suddenly playing forty six games, and for the majority of your players, they wouldn't have experienced that ever. You know, they would have played thirty eight games in the Prem last season. That's that I don't think it's as ferocious as the Championship. Just just from watching it, I don't you know I don't have sort of you know, physical stats to back it up. but It seems like the championship's a lot harder. I, I'm not sure. I think you just, you need, it's hard to get that balance right, isn't it? It's rare that any team goes back up and it's just about sort of working out which players can handle that many games and which players, you know, have got the sort of physical strengths to handle the championship, really. But, you know, I, I, I thought Stoke would have that. I thought most of your players seem strong enough or fit enough or, you know useful enough to be able to handle the championship and I thought Gary Ratt would be, would be good enough too so I mean you know I, I, I'm, I'm just as, as, a, as a surprise I guess most Stoke fans are that you guys aren't in the upper echelons really. Mm.
1: Uh, we'll kind of uh, wrap up then with a final couple of uh, questions first of all it will be a, a while for most Stoke fans uh, uh, it'll be a while since they last visited Ashton Gate save for that League Cup game Uh, last season so what can they expect from Ashton Gate in terms of uh, an away fans experience do you have any kind of recommendations or tips for pubs or anything like that
0: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, it's the first time we have asked about this. Um, So I interviewed an away fan, a recent guy. I can't remember what for life. Maybe it was a Blackburn fan. And he uh, commented on how how actually friendly the stewards are. And it's the first time I've ever heard that. So I I guess if Stoke fans are into having banter with uh, the stewards, that that they should do that because apparently ours are very friendly. (laughs) Um, I love the fact that Ashton Gate is sort of... All right, fine. It's a big stadium, so it's not hidden, but it's in amongst sort of the local houses. Um, In terms of pubs, I mean, I really like North Street. North Street's a very good one. Um, There's loads of pubs up and down there. None. I mean, there aren't as long as there aren't any particularly rough. Um, pubs around really, they're not sort of ones where as soon as you walk in with a northern accent, you're going to get beaten up. I think the waterfront's very good if you've got time, if you, if you get there early enough, anywhere around the docks and the waterfront, it's really lovely if the weather's nice. Um, in terms of Ashton Gate, I mean, the away end is the Atio stand, uh, named after our, our record goalsorer. And it's the I suppose it's the stand that hasn't been um, modernised or updated, if you will, in the sort of the recent um, changing of... Of Ashton Gate, but I guess you're looking out into the three new stands. Um, The the pitch is amazing. We've spent sort of like a million plus on some sort of Deso pitch that's supposed to be very good. Um, the food's, I guess, fairly standard food as football goes. We all know it's normally very overpriced and isn't that interesting. So I'd recommend going to one of the local, you know, fish and chip shops or there's various pasty vans that are, that are very popular in and around the stadium. But um, I haven't checked the weather, but I think Bristol's a, a nice place for an away day, really. there's There's countless, countless pubs and bars and and the nightlife's really good if people are staying in Bristol anywhere anywhere in around the center of the waterfront I'm sure Stoke fans will will have a wicked time
1: really okay fantastic and finally then can we get prediction from you
0: oh prediction i mean okay um let's think so Stoke i as an outsider from an ignorant point of view it seems like they're struggling I think, you know, after winning against Brentford and beating Hull at home, and to be fair, Hull, we probably should have scored more. I'm going to say our luck's going to gonna turn and we're going to sort of like um, do better than we should on Saturday. So I'm going to go with uh, a three one win against Gary Rowett who interestingly most Bristol City fans wanted as our manager instead of Lee Johnson and I think uh, in hindsight we're probably glad we went for Lee Johnson because Gary Rowett might have left us just like he left Derby.
1: Yeah that's a a common thing with Gary Rowett for a lot of fans is yeah he treats clubs as stepping stones and all the rest of it but he probably won't be getting too many offers at the moment Uh, (laughs) Stanley thank you very much
0: uh, thank you it's a pleasure I've just got to say because my dad said that I've got to mention this and that um you might have noticed that my name's Stanley and it's because I'm named after Stanley Matthews so I just thought I'd I'd get it in there because my dad's family is is from up north and he was a, a close family friend of, of, uh, of my granddad's
1: oh fantastic that's brilliant thank you for speaking to us
0: no worries and uh, obviously wish you guys all the best except for Saturday of course
1: likewise cheers Stanley